0: My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 19. Okay, welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. Let me ask you a question. If you go out to buy a car or to shop for a car, and they entice you to come inside the building, and you sit down at this nice salesperson's desk, and he asks you a couple questions. You know, what's your name? What's your address? What's your phone number? What's your social security number? Are you supposed to answer that question? Well, the answer is no. Now, are they going to need your social security number in order to be able to get you a loan for the vehicle that you're trying to buy? Yes, they are. But why are they trying to do that? Or why are they trying to get that information really early in the conversation? It's because they want to pull your credit. Now, is that something you're ready for them to do? That's really your decision, not theirs. But I'm telling you, if you give them your Social Security number and your date of birth and your name and your address and all that stuff, they will pull your credit. Um, You may not want them to, but they're probably going to have you sign something that says it's okay for them to pull your credit. Now, if they don't have you sign anything and pull your credit, then they have violated your rights. Now, why do I say all this? Well, it's because too many people, they're just gullible. Right, I mean, they just go in there and they say, "What's your date of birth?" and they give it to them. What's your Social Security number? and they give it to them. You know, it's like it's no big deal. Well, right now, the Federal Trade Commission is uh, getting ready to. Well, they've delayed it a couple times, but come, it's either June or July. Every dealership. Now this applies to banks and other financial institutions, but we we are kind of a financial institution because we basically we don't loan money, but we are part of the process of helping people borrow money to buy cars. So we are, we're in the game. And the FTC has come out with something called the safeguards rule. That's a comforting term, safeguards. Who are they trying to safeguard? You. They're trying to safeguard your information. But too many people are very loose with that information. And what happens is somebody steals your identity Or, you know, they go in and they put a mortgage on your house when you've had it paid off for 20 years. Or they do something else. They get, you know, they pull your credit. They have your Social Security number and date of birth, so they they go in and pull your credit, and they solicit you for all kinds of things. You know, just about everything that you sign up for online, it asks you to consent to do something. And most people don't even read it. You know, I don't all the time. It depends on who I'm talking to. You know, if it's a trusted vendor like Apple, uh, should I trust Amazon with that information? Probably not. I don't know who they're sharing it with. i tell you what, I do get a lot of solicitations and emails and things like that that I said, how did they get my email? How did they get my cell number? I probably gave it to them. So just don't give them the information until you're ready. So when should you be ready? Well, when you've picked out the car. And you know that you need financing. Hopefully you have done your homework and you know what your credit score is already. You know what kind of interest rate you're going to qualify for because you've talked to your, your friendly neighborhood banker. Um, and you have, uh, you, you know, you're ready. You're ready to start to finalize the transaction. You give them your social security number and your date of birth and so forth. And so what do they do with that? Well, they go over to a computer and they input that information. And it, they shoot it out to a bunch of different lenders. Now, this is what happens at a dealership. They shoot it out to a bunch of different lenders. And um, let's say that you don't want it fired off to a bunch of lenders. You want to go to a specific one. You need to tell them that. If you just want to go th- uh, through Ford Motor Credit, then they can just shoot it to Ford Motor Credit. The reason you will not want it to go everywhere is probably if you don't go with any of the others and they end up... Uh, you know, deciding that they, they're not ready to approve you for one reason or another, you'll get a rejection notice in the mail. You may have bought a car, financed it, and had it for 30 days, and you get three or four rejection notices in the mail. We did not approve your credit. And then you end up calling the dealership. What happened? Is my car loan not good? And your car loan is fine. You just didn't go with somebody else. They may have – it's called conditioning – it's when they condition their approval based on well, they need to see they need proof of income, you know they want to make sure that you make what you say you make, and if you don't go with them and you go with somebody else, you're going to get a letter a rejection letter from them from that bank. you weren't rejected uh they just requested more information than the dealership ended up providing to them so you know, it's not necessarily an unsafe process, but my goodness, you're sitting in a showroom of a car dealership at a salesperson's desk. It's kind of out there in the open, and he's saying, what's your social security number? And you give it to him, you know, out loud. That shouldn't happen that way. You know, he should be, okay, ma'am, What what is your social security number? You know, he needs to keep his voice down, and you give it to him. And he goes over and hands this information to his what we call the desk manager. So that's the sales manager who inputs it into the computer in order to get you approved, get you the loan that you want. The advantage of going through a dealer for this is they have a they're they're going through multiple different lenders. Okay. So, you know, let's say that that Cap One, Capital One, or I don't know, Wells Fargo has a really low rate going right now. Well, I mean, if you normally go through Eastman Credit Union or you know, TVA or Ford credit, but, but cap one is willing to offer 1% less for the same term, no fees, no prepayment penalty or anything like that, then why not go with cap one? I mean, you don't have to stick with a particular bank. Now, if you have a relationship with them and you do all your business with this one place and you know them personally, and it's convenient because they'll take it out of your check or whatever, then those are, you know, that's a good reason to do it. But if you can save some money, Just like right now, Ford Motor Credit has uh, 2.9% financing on F-150s for up to 60 months. Try to beat that. You can't. You know, so if you're buying an F-150, then, you know, if Eastman or, you know, some credit union is offering 3.9, then why go with them if you can get 2.9? Or if you don't need to finance for a long term, you can get 0% for 36 months. Now most people can't, you know, handle that kind of a monthly payment, but a lot of people can. You know, let's say that you have, um, let's say you have enough cash to pay for the thing, but you don't want to take all your cash. Let's say you've got it in a, you know, you're earning a pretty good rate right now. Like, you know, you can earn four or five percent on your money right now, uh, putting it in a CD or some other type of investment, maybe not the stock stock market right now, but you can earn a good rate on a CD. Why would you want to pull money out of that when you can finance a car for 0%? I mean, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't recommend you do that. You might, want, might not want to make a monthly payment, but you can have them take it out of your uh, checking account anyway to make the monthly payments. But at zero, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? And if you're earning 4% on, your, on the rest of your money, then it's better just to keep it there working for you. At least that's my opinion. And I'm not even a financial advisor. Well, I guess I am sometimes. I've been a little bit of everything in my career. Well, I'm going to take my first break, and I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, I'm back. Yeah, the government is requiring us to protect your information. We've been doing that for a long time anyway. At My two uh, new car dealerships, Gateway Ford and Gateway Nissan. But I have, uh, in, in years past, uh, I have seen documents laying around that on a salesperson's desk, you know, while a transaction is going on. They should be in a folder, right? Um, you don't, like if I fill out a credit application, I don't want it sitting on some salesperson's desk. We don't allow that anymore. As soon as we get that information, it is handed over to a, uh, a manager in an office, and he controls it. And then that information, let's say you end up buying a car, all of that goes into one folder and goes behind two different locked doors into my office. You have to punch in codes to get back there. And they go in a secure file for until the new year comes around, and then we take it to another secure location upstairs. We fill up all these boxes with all this information, all these customer files, and take them upstairs, and they're locked behind another door. And we are going to get aud- – or we are subject to audits on that, and the fines are ginormous. And so we want to make sure that we, we don't get fined. But we have to protect your information. Our, uh, we have firewalls on our – you know what a firewall is? Well, it's not what you think it is. If you, if you understand computer business, you've got to have something to protect your computer system from the outside world. You know, you hear about all these people hacking into this and hacking into that. I wish they'd just leave us alone, but they don't have anything else to do. So these unemployed youngsters get in there on their little computers in their little dark rooms with like 15 monitors and start saying, well, let me see if I can break into the CIA well, breaking into the CIA is a lot harder than breaking into a car dealership. But we do have firewalls that that protect us and we are we have recently moved all of our data to a centralized control center in Dayton, Ohio. And so they are like the CIA and they do protect the information better than we could, but we still have firewalls and most dealerships do and you want your information I had a gentleman the other day that refused to give us certain information about himself um, because he was a veteran, and we needed some additional information because he qualified for this veteran's uh, benefit. He didn't want to give it. He said, I'm not giving you that. Well, sir, we need that in order to get the discount. He said, well, I want the discount, but I'm not giving you that. They shouldn't need that. I've already given you my ID and all this stuff, and he had, and I agreed with him. Why would they need this additional information? All they want is proof that he was a veteran. Right there it is. You know, but they wanted more and more and more. So we I had to go to bat for him, and I think we've overcome that. But, you know, you want to know where your information's going. At least you should want to know. And so, you know, it's it's up to you to protect it. And of course, we do have to protect ourselves at home and our cell phones and all the information that we have. I mean, what do you use for passwords? Your dog's name and 1234, somebody can figure that out by, you know, just following your Facebook page. It's amazing how people can um, hack information. You know, some people use password as their password. Um, You should use a pretty elaborate password, and you should change them pretty often. And you shouldn't have them in your phone, you know, under your contacts, what your passwords are for different things, because people can hack into your phone. So, you know, when you're when you come into a car dealership to buy a car, you're going to have to share some pretty serious financial information. You just want to make sure that they're not frivolous with the way they control it. And, um, you know, if you're unsure, I mean, if the salesperson walks off and there's your your credit app laying there and he said, well, come on out and look at this car, and you've already given him your credit information, you know, you need to look at him. You're going to leave that there? Uh, Yeah. No. Let's grab that folder, and you carry it with you until they're ready to process it. It gets really sloppy. You're all excited about buying a car, and, and uh, he's all excited about selling you one, and things get a little, you know, disconnected, for lack of a better word. So, you know, do your part as well, because more than likely the salesperson is not. So spring is just around the corner. It's it's 81 here today, I believe. That's not right for February. Maybe global warming is happening. I doubt it. But uh, anyway, it's warm here now, and spring is just around the corner. I guarantee the crocuses are saying, "Do you think we ought to go up right now?" I don't know. I think this is a fluke. It probably is a fluke. I'd say we have some cold weather in store for us coming up. But the selling season of, of the spring selling season is a big deal right now. Truck month is is getting ready to happen. And uh, truck month is a big deal. Everybody has a truck month. Typically, they have two truck months, and that's a good time to buy trucks. I'm seeing some incentives out there, folks. Uh, We have uh, $2,000 rebates on certain vehicles, uh, and uh, they're offering free maintenance for three years and extending warranties, uh, the factory warranty on certain products. So that's pretty good. Uh, Lease uh, deals are coming. Uh, I think the manufacturers feel a little bit better about offering some pretty good residual values, which is the number one thing that will lower lease payments. Leasing is not big in this part of the country. That's uh, the southeast, you know, the mideast, I guess you would say, like Tennessee and Georgia. In big cities it is. Those people don't mind leasing. They're used to it. People who buy exotic, not exotic cars, but, you know, luxury cars like Lexus, a lot of people who buy um, like a Tesla, they, they lease. I wouldn't buy a Tesla. I wouldn't buy any electric car. I would lease it at this point. I just think that the batteries are going to improve and range is going to improve. And why lock yourself into buying something when you can lease it? And get a new one in 18 months or 24 months or 30. I think a 36-month lease is probably going to be the best term on a on a current electric vehicle. But, uh, you know, the deals are going to be coming out there. Now, the downside is that used car values have fallen. So your vehicle that was worth, you know, I don't know, let's say it was worth 20000 in December. It's probably worth about eighteen right now. See, before, I mean, you go a year ago, it was worth fifteen. So it's gone way up, and it's starting to trickle down. So probably a good time to unload your trade. If you're thinking about trading anytime time in the next uh, 90 days, it's a, probably a good time to do it. Or even in the next year, it might not be a bad idea to go out and start shopping, letting people check out your, your trade, and just watch out for the li- for the questions. What do you want your payment to be? Don't ever answer that question. That sets you up for Failure. We've talked about that many times on this radio show, and some of you actually listen. But, yeah, that's... Uh, why, Lenny, why don't... Why, don't uh, why isn't it okay for me to tell him how much I want my payment? Because you you buy the car based on the selling price minus the trade-in equals the trade difference plus tax, and then you figure out what your pay- payment's going to be based on that number. Many unscrupulous dealerships will jack up the price of the car um, and, you know, give you this payment. If you give them a payment, well, I don't want my payment to be any more than $400 a month. Well, they can probably sell you the car for $325. So, but guess what? Your payment's going to be about $425 because you told them what you wanted and they they got real close to it and you said, well, that sounds like a deal and you just ended up paying $5,000 over sticker for a car. That's why you don't base your purchase on the monthly payment. So don't tell them that if they say, well, how much do you want for your trade? Don't tell them that either. You tell them, well, it's your job to tell me what my trade in, what you think my trade in is worth and what you're willing to pay me for it. So I'll let you tell me that. Now you might, you may may have done the research and you have a number in your head and that's great. That's what I recommend that you do, or just call me and I'll tell you what it's worth to me and uh, what it's worth on the marketplace. We have this great tool that you don't have. And, um, it is called Dealer Link, and they have a little. Uh, Dealers Link has this little app on my phone, and it's called Fastbook, and it gives me all I have to do: is scan your VIN, put the miles in, put what kind of package your car has on it, like if it's an LS or an LT or something like that, if it's a King Ranch, you know, F one hundred and fifty, or or just an XL model, and I put that information in there, you know, and also have to put in how much I think it's going to cost to recondition your vehicle. Like if you have a busted windshield or the tires are worn out, I'll put those dollar figures in there. And then it tells me what your vehicle is worth. So as a dealer, I have a great advantage over the typical consumer because I can look at this and I know what the market value is. You just have to guess. Um, I, I can look at that, and I know that if I take your vehicle to the Greens, uh, Greensboro Auto Auction, for example, that it's going to bring pretty close to this number because one just brought that last week, just like yours. And it gives me Kelly Blue Book values, NADA book values. Uh, it tells me what cars like yours are bringing on the open, or what people are asking for cars like yours online. So it consolidates all that information. It makes it really easy. But see, you don't have that information. You can go online. You can go to autotrader.com or someplace else and look and try to find a car like yours and see what they're asking for it. But you just don't know what somebody's willing to pay for it. And that information is very handy. So you know what your trade's worth. You know what your credit's like. You know what you can afford as far as a monthly payment. So you're going to go into the car dealership knowing what, you know, you're just going to have a whole lot more information. Then you just have to be careful and not succumb to all the pressure that you're going to get at some places. It's it's different depending on where you go. We have a pretty laid-back atmosphere at our dealership. I, I train my salespeople that way. We don't want people to feel pressured to buy something. But some dealerships look at it totally different. They they want to put the squeeze on everybody. Uh, you end up talking to three or four different managers before they'll let you leave. Nobody likes that, but you know a lot of people succumb to that. And, um, you know, that's just not a good thing to, to happen. You'll end up paying too much and regretting it after the fact. Okay, I'm going to take my last break. I'll be back here in just a minute. I guess the moral of this story is protect your information. Deliver that information when the timing is right, when you're ready, and be careful what questions you answer. Because if you answer the questions too early, it enables unscrupulous people to take advantage of you. And none of us want that. Uh, you can avoid all of that. You can contact me, uh, 423-552-2020, before you go shopping. You don't have to buy a Ford or a Nissan. I'd love for you to because that's what I sell. But if you that's not what this radio show is all about. If you need help and you're buying a Honda or a Hyundai, or a Mercedes-Benz, then, uh, you know, you need to contact me. You can also t- uh, email me or text me at my cell phone, 423-552-2020, or Lawson 2020 at gmail.com, and I'll answer your questions. I'll I'll put you on the right track. You know, I've got listeners over in North Carolina, um, you know, that, listen, that can get the radio signal. I've got listeners up in southwest Virginia and all around the upper east Tennessee. But the vast majority of my people now, that listener through the podcast, and you can get to the podcast, which has, I bet there's over 100 podcasts in there now that I have done, recorded, and put on there. You can go to Apple Podcasts, or you can go to Google. You can actually go to Amazon and just, or you can go to Google. Best thing to do is just go to Google and type in My Car Guru Podcast, and there it will be. Um, Amazon has it, um, Google has it, your Android phone. You know, you may have a podcast app on your phone. You can find it that way. Or if you have an iPhone, you just go to Apple Podcasts, and there I is, My Car Guru Podcast. So if you miss something, you can go back and listen to it, and you can listen to it in stereo. And if you want information on one particular thing, then just go by the titles of the podcast, and eventually, in the middle of the podcast or somewhere thereabouts, I'll get to that particular subject. Well, thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time.